The Lord has definitely used my parents to teach me. Whoop. <laughs> I'll wait on your cue, Caleb. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, that was a nice abrupt ending to the video, right? Like, um, you know, it's uh, it's been great to get to know the Gump family. If you haven't met them yet, uh, they are they are awesome. And one of the things that Renisha says at the end of her of her uh, video testimony there, um, she makes this statement where she says, you know, through God has worked so powerfully in her life through the community at UBC. She says, um, I feel like I've been born again, again. <laughs> and, uh, I, and she says, UBC has been a lifesaver to me. And um, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments, right, where you just feel like uh, God has just worked so powerfully. You feel like you're back to where you were when you were first saved. And God just stirs your heart and turns uh, your, your heart into this, this revived heart, right, where there's a renewal, there's a revival, there's something fresh going on. And we love to see that in Brad and Renisha's hearts, and uh, so grateful that you guys are part of our church family. Um, but that's what we want to see happen in our church, right? We want to see more and more people whose lives and families are touched, and uh, that they want to be part of what God is doing. Um, so that's what this Make Him Known campaign, this initiative is all about, right? This is, this is week two, or excuse me, week four in our five-week series uh, called Make Him Known. And in this uh, whole series, what have we been doing? We've been saying as a church, we want to become people who live to know Christ and make him known. We uh, really focus the month of September on um, really different ways that we want to know Christ. And now here we are in October focusing on different ways that we want to make him known. Um, we want to be a church that really commits ourselves to that, right? That's why we're here, knowing him and making him known. And so we've committed October and September to, you know, very specific uh, things that we want to pursue in order to know him and make him known. So September, what did we say? Just kind of recapping the past couple months. In September, we said we want to be a people that know Christ personally, that we're born again, that we know him personally. We said we want to be a people that knows Christ biblically, where we're, we're knowing him through the scriptures, that we know Christ prayerfully by listening and communicating with the Holy Spirit, that we know Christ relationally uh, by being in community with other believers. That was September. Now here we are in October saying, okay, we also want to have the other side of this where we don't just know Christ but make him known in specific ways. And so what have we been focused on so far? That we want to make him known missionally by being a people who reach the lost and make disciples. Uh, we want to be a people who make him known mercifully by seeing people in need all around us and then acting to meet those needs. Um, we want to be a church that makes him known generationally. That's what last Sunday was all about where we invest in the younger generation so that they grow up and do the same. And uh, today I want to talk to you about making him known resourcefully. Uh, making him known resourcefully. That's going to be the subject today. We're going to look at this uh, through Jesus' teaching of the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 25. That's where we're going to be today. And also, uh, as you know, we're going to use our good old make him known booklets. Everybody bring theirs. If you got yours, hold it up real quick. Everybody? That's like, man, that's like three-fourths of you guys. That's good. If you don't quite, if you don't have your make him known booklet, we have ushers in the back that are ready to hand them out. So if you don't have one, just throw your hand up real quick. They'll bring you one because you're going to need uh, to follow along and track with some things in the book. You can take uh, sermon notes today on page 78 in the booklet. So if you want to open to Matthew 25 in your Bible and page 78 in your booklet, that would be great. 
Um, I do want to say this too, um, for anybody who happens to be listening to this later online or whatever, um, we also have a website that we've developed, ubcbeavercreek.com slash makehimknown. Uh, again, that's ubcbeavercreek.com slash makehimknown. And on that website, um, that's where we actually have a printable, um, downloadable PDF version of the Make Him Known booklet. We also have all the story videos that we've played, so you can go and watch the rest of Brad and Renisha's testimony uh, there at the website. Um, We have all the sermons there, but also next Sunday, you guys know that we're going to be coming together, and in our live services, we're going to be turning in our commitment cards to Make Him Known next Sunday. Just so you know, there's also an online commitment card available at ubcbeavercreek.com, Make Him Known, where you can Um, you can download and print it there as well. Um, Now, in just a moment, I'm going to read the whole parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. Um, But before I do, it is so important that we understand the context for this passage. We we misunderstand this passage so often because we lift it out of its context. So I want to just reiterate the context. Jesus, in Matthew 25, Jesus is giving what is known as his Olivet Discourse. He's preaching on the Mount of Olives. He's with his disciples. Um, This is just days before he's crucified. Um, And so Jesus is teaching them specifically about what things are going to be like when he comes, right? They they know he's going to leave. They want to know what it's going to be like when he's coming back. And they're specifically asking him, like, when are you going to come? Like, how are we going to know? And so in chapter 24... Jesus starts to tell them about the signs of his coming at the end of the age. And so uh, there's these things to be looking for that have to do with the return of Christ that are laid out in Matthew 24. At the end of the chapter of 24, Jesus starts to introduce the first of four parables that all have to do with his return and his day of judgment. So at the end of chapter 24, uh, we have the parable of the wicked servant. We get into chapter 25. It's the parable about the 10 virgins and how some of them were ready and some weren't. Uh, Chapter 25, verse 14 through 30, our text for today is the parable of the talents. And then right after this, at the end of chapter 25, is the parable about the sheep and the goats and how the Lord will separate some on his right and his left. I'm saying that to you guys to say the parable of the talents is set within the context of really dealing with Christ's return. Okay, now this is, a lot of us don't view this, this parable this way. We just think, okay, this is another parable of, has to do with, you know, uh, you know you, use it or lose it. You know, if you don't use what you've been given, you're going to lose it. And we turn it into just this kind of morality lesson. But there is something bigger going on here. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, you know, he basically never tells them the exact time of his return. In fact, five times in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, he uses the phrase, you do not know the day or the hour. You do not know the day or the hour. And so he's telling them, look, you don't know exactly when I'm going to come, but you need to be ready when I do. That's the point here between Matthew chapter 24 and 25. You don't know exactly when I'm going to come, but you need to be ready when I do. All right. So that's the context. Keep that in mind as we read today's text. Let me read Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. God's word says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He he who had received the five talents went at once, traded with them, and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground his master's money. 
Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested the money with bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Guys, this is God's good word, and the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Today I want to talk to you, and talk to you from this text, really, about this idea that to be a wholehearted disciple of Jesus Christ, you must make him known resourcefully. To be a wholehearted disciple of Jesus Christ, you must make him known resourcefully. This is what is in the heart of a true believer. They will want to use what they've been given, resources to make him known. I want to work through this message today by answering the same three questions that we've asked in every uh, sermon in this series. First of all, what does it mean? What does it mean to make him known resourcefully? Second, why is it important? And third, how can we pursue it? That's what we're going to go today. So hang with me as I kind of fly through this. Um, but let's talk today about making him known resourcefully. First question, what does it mean? What does it mean to make him known resourcefully? Here's our definition of that. Making him known resourcefully means faithfully using our God-given resources for God-glorifying purposes as we wait for the return of Christ. All right? This is in context of Matthew 25, that we faithfully use our God-given resources for God-glorifying purposes as we wait for the return of Jesus Christ. So what do we see in our text? In the text, we see that the master commends two servants, and he commends them because they used what they were given and they produced more for the master, and then he went away for a long time, and, and when he came back, he said, you know what, you, you've used my resource as well. He commends them. Look again with me at verse 20 through 23. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, so I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And you can keep reading in verses 22 through 23, and he says the same thing to the same servant who he gave two talents. I want us to pick up real quick on something very basic. The, the master in this parable commends these two servants for what they did do. And then he reprimands the second servant. He really punishes the second service, a servant um, for what he did not do. 
The, the third servant, what did he do? He, he, he did not invest, he did not use, he did not steward the resource, he just buried it in the ground. In verse 27, the master says to that servant, you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Now, again, understanding context and culture at that time, a couple things we just really need to just clarify and define real quick. Um, verse 27, you know, the master says, you should have invested my money with the bankers. Now, leading up to verse 27, the word money is never used. What is the word that's used instead of money? The word talents, right? And, and I think a lot of times when we read this text, we don't, we, don't, we kind of insert our American understanding of talents rather than using the Jewish first century understanding of talents. Talents in the Jewish first century were a measurement, right? They were, uh, they were, uh, um, a, weighted, a, a way to weight, um, to weigh something. And so what we have here is that we're talking about a measure of money. In the NIV version of scripture, they actually call this uh, parable something more like the bags of gold or something like that. Um, and I think that that's you know, a little bit more in line with what we're talking about here. When we talk about talents, we're talking about a certain weight of money. In the original Greek language, the, the word talent is the word talenton. And uh, talenton was equivalent to what was um, 6,000 denarius in the day of Jesus. If you're not familiar with a denarius, a denarius was equivalent to one day's wages. So what is a talent? A talent is equivalent to 6,000 days wages. You guys tracking with me on this? Like that's a big deal, all right? Um, in modern day, that would be like 20 years worth of wages, so kind of depending on what part of the country you live in and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about one talent being modern day equivalent of like 500,000 to a million dollars. That's a big deal, right? I mean, that's a really big deal. So we shouldn't feel too bad for the guy who only got placed, you know, uh, re, you know responsible for one talent. That's still like, you know, half a million to a million. Um, pretty big deal. But the point of the parable of the talents, I want to make it clear, it, it's not really about money. It doesn't really matter how much each servant was given. It doesn't matter how much each servant earned. The point here is about faithfulness, okay? The point of what this talent is about, of this parable is about faithfulness. The faithful carrying out of the responsibilities. The faithful obedience to the wishes of the master. The faithful use of resources. That's why we say that making him known resourcefully means faithfully using our God-given resources for God-given purposes as we wait for the return of Christ. So that's the, the definition of our term. Now what's the second question we're answering? Why is this important? Why is it important that we make him known resourcefully? Why is it important that you and I, that we use our God-given resources for God-glorifying purposes until Christ returns? Two reasons why I want to point out, um, and like every message, there are loads of other reasons that could be mentioned. I just want to start with two that are the most obvious in this text, and, um, and we'll, we'll see where the Lord takes us from here. All right, number one, here's why it's important. It's because all of our resources are actually God's resources to be used for his glory, right? All of our resources are actually God's resources that he's given us to use for his glory. Again, we see this in the parable, okay? Look at verse 14 with me in Matthew 25. Jesus says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with whose property? 
You guys with me? With whose property? His property, right? So the master entrusts servants with his own property, right? Jesus is saying that master has stuff that belongs to him. It's valuable stuff, 500 to 500,000 to a million dollars worth in modern day equivalent, and he entrusts that to his servants, right? Servants, you guys, um, servants are, are stewards. Servants are managers. They're, they're not owners of things. They wisely use someone else's resources according to that person's wishes and for that person's betterment. And so Jesus is saying that we are to understand as God, God is the master, and if God is our master, then we are his servants. And God has, as, you know, as God's servants, God has made us all stewards of his world, his resources. Everything belongs to him. The resources that we have aren't really ours, right? They're God's that he's loaned to us for a little while to use for his glory. The world and everything in it belongs to God. Um, The scripture repeats this over and over again. I listed off just a handful of scripture references that just reiterate God's ownership of everything. Uh, Psalm 24 verse 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Deuteronomy 10 verse 14, to the Lord your God belong heaven and earth and all that is in it. 2 Chronicles 29, verse 11 and 12, all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Both riches and honor come from you. Job 41, 11, whatever is under the whole heaven is mine, says the Lord. Psalm 50, verse 11, the world and its fullness are mine. Guys, this is so basic, and we covered this in good detail back in our dollars and cents series uh, when we were back at the Fairfield Commons Mall. But where do we have to start with, with the utilization of our resources? We have to start with understanding they're not really ours, right? They're God's. And so they are to be used according to his will and for his glory and for his purposes. Now, that's the first reason why this is important, that we make him known with our resources. But here's the second reason why this is important. And honestly, this is the bigger reason in the parable. I mean, this is, I want you to pay a close attention to this because this is the point of the story. Here's the second reason. It's because the way we use our earthly resources is indicative of our eternal condition. I want you to hear that very clearly. The way we use our earthly resources is indicative of our eternal condition. In the parable, we have two faithful servants and they were given a great reward and we have one unfaithful servant who was given a great punishment. And there are some important things that I want you to see about both the punishment and the reward as we look closer at verses 24 through 30. Verse 24, let's pick up there. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. So I don't know about you, but when I first read this, I kind of felt sorry for this third servant. Like, man, the guy, he just got stuck with a hard master. Like, and so you can't really blame him for his actions. He's just, he's afraid. He acted out of fear because he has a mean boss, right? And that's kind of the way that you read this at first, but something changes. Look at verse 26. Verse 26 says that his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. So we need to stop right here for just a second. I want you to see, he didn't get judged for being foolish. He didn't get judged for being fearful or afraid. Rather, the master in the parable judges him for being wicked and slothful. 
Now, why does the master call him wicked and slothful? Again, look at verse 26 and 27. It helps us understand what's going on. The master says, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed? Question mark? There's a, and that's important. There's a question mark at the end because in the original language, what you pick up on is the fact that there's a little bit of sarcasm going on here in the response from the master. Oh, you really, you knew I was that way, did you? Well, if you really believed that I was hard and mean like that, then you should have done something minimal at least with my money. What does he say in verse 27? You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have at least received what was, you know, my own with interest. So I want you to pick up on what's really going on here. What's really going on in this text is that the master sees through the servant's lies. He sees that the servant's just making excuses. The servant wasn't really afraid. He just didn't want to do what he had been told to do. He didn't want to work for the master. He, knew he just wanted to take it easy and be his, be his own master, do life his own way, and not work hard like the rest of the servants, investing and reproducing and doing you know, the master's will. The servant acts like the problem is the master's harshness when the real problem is his own selfishness. You guys with me on this? This is, this is like... This is why there's such a severe punishment in the end, right? Remember, this whole context of Matthew 25 falls within Jesus making a point about judgment on the last day. Just like in the parable, the master came back after a long time, Jesus too is gonna come back after a long time. In the parable, the master came to settle accounts, and when Jesus comes back, he's gonna settle accounts with us. In the parable, the master made a judgment on each person, and on the day of Christ, judgment is going to be made to each individual. In the parable, one of the people was condemned uh, and cast away, and when Jesus comes, some are going to be condemned and cast away. And in the parable, two of the people were allowed to enter into the master's joy, so when Jesus comes back, some are going to enter into his joy as well. Guys, this is a parable about judgment day at the return of Christ. We have to understand that. And Jesus is saying that one of the evidences that you are truly saved is that you use what you are given for the glory of the master. That you use what you are given for his purposes. That is much different than the whole little morality lesson we're commonly taught as kids. Use it or lose it. Okay? There's a bigger picture about eternal judgment here. In other words... You see yourself as the Lord's servant and you see your resources as belonging to him and to be used for his glory. That's an indicator of someone who truly knows the master. That's an indicator of someone who truly knows the Lord. It's important that we make him known resourcefully. Why? Because it is indicative of our eternal condition. And I do want to be clear about this. We're not talking about works-based righteousness here, okay? We're not, the scripture is not teaching here, like, um, they're not saying, like, hey, if you, if you use your money and your resources and your, you know, your, uh, the gifts that you've been given, if you use them well, then you'll be saved. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's saying that those who are truly saved, those who really know the Lord, those who really have understood their identity as his servants, then they will. They will use their resources for his glory. It's an indicator. 
where your treasure is, your heart will be, right? That's, there's indicators there. So in this text, there's a punishment for the unfaithful, but also there's a reward for the faithful. Guys, what did he, what did he say to the faithful servants in verse uh, 21 through 23? In the, the faithful servants, what does he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm gonna make you faithful. Over, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I just want us to pick up on what Jesus is saying in this parable, right? He says the master is gonna say, you've been faithful over a little. I've only given you half a million to a million dollars worth to steward. That's just a little. But because you've been faithful, now I'm gonna make you faithful over much. You get what's Jesus, what God's saying there? Like 500,000 to a million, that's a little in God's eyes, right? When, when we stand before him in judgment and, and we reap the reward, like, He's gonna make us faithful over so much more that we probably can't even wrap our minds around. At the return of Christ, when we enter into God's kingdom, guys, we're still gonna have responsibilities. We're gonna have resources in which we're still gonna steward for God's glory. I think sometimes um, I hear from people like, man, you know, like, if I'm honest, like, heaven just kind of seems boring. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And people have this imagery in their mind that we're just gonna be little like people sitting on clouds or you know, just sitting around and, and singing all day long for millions and millions and millions of years. And granted, there will be some of, a, some of that, like seating around the throne, singing the new song to the Lamb. But this passage shows us that there's gonna be, part of the reward for the faithful is gonna be, we're gonna have more things to steward faithfully. We're gonna have responsibilities and roles to play in God's kingdom, and it's not just in this passage, but other passages throughout scripture that show us that. And guys, it's, it's not just that we're gonna have responsibilities in the kingdom, but part of the kingdom is that we get to enter into the master's joy. Isn't that what he says to these servants? Enter into the joy of your master. Again, understanding context is so important. Do you have any idea like how much of countercultural idea that that would be for a servant to be able to enter into the joy of his master. In that culture, it was, servanthood was more like slavery. You know, you fetched when your master said go. You did, you know, it was more that way. And it would have been pretty unheard of for a master to say, hey, come dine with me, sit with me, be part of my home, be part of my family. And what is that? That's exactly what the master here in Jesus' parable is saying. Come, enter into my joy. The point that Jesus is making is that when you're a servant of Christ, you, you don't just do tasks for him. You get to share life with him. What a joy. What a privilege, right? What a blessing. What a gift for us who we're not even worthy to be his servants in the first place. He just made us his own. And he didn't just make us to do tasks, but to share life with him. What a, what a reward. What a reward. And in this passage, the reward, you guys, it's not dependent upon the amount of fruitfulness. It is dependent upon the existence of faithfulness. I want you to catch that. In this parable, the reward is not dependent upon the amount of fruitfulness, but on the existence of faithfulness, right? The, the man with five talents produced five talents more. You know, he dealt, he, he had five extra. The man with two talents produced two talents more. Five and two, yet the man who made five and the man who made two, they both got the same reward. Well done, enter into my joy. Good and faithful servant, I'm gonna make you responsible for more. Guys, God is calling us to be faithful with whatever amount of resources he has given us 
And his reward is not so much concerned with our amount of fruitfulness, but our efforts toward faithfulness. Will he find us faithful at his return? That's the question. How can, guys, how can we live as resourceful disciples? How can we pursue this idea of making him known resourcefully? Let's talk about this last question. How can we pursue it? Individually, just a simple framework for you to use. By using your personal resources, the three T's, with the return and the reward of Christ in mind. Use your three T's. You know what I mean by that? Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Use though your three T's with the return of Christ in mind and the reward of Christ in mind. So as you and I, and we look through our lives, all of us have been given a certain number of days to live, right? We've got our little dash between our birthday and our death day. How are we gonna steward our time with the return and the reward of Christ in mind? Use your days for his glory. Use your talents for his glory. Talents in the Bible meant, you know, weighted measures. Here I'm talking about your abilities, your, your giftedness, your skills, the things that God has made you good at. You know, you don't, don't use your skills for your own glory, right? We use them for the glory of Christ. We use them to help people be ready for the day of Christ's return. We want to use what we've been given. And then last, what about our treasure? What about our treasure all of us in this room have been given a certain amount of finances and you know, uh, monetary resources to use. We're, we're all over the map in our income levels in our church. But the, the point isn't like how much did you get? Some got five, some got two, some got one. The point isn't how much do you have. The point is how do you use what you have? So the Lord may change your income level. The Lord may change the, your financial status down the road. But you know what? He wants you to be faithful right now with whatever you have. Time, talent, and treasure. Use your resources for the return and the reward of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You'll never, you commit your time, talent, and treasure to the Lord, it'll never be wasted. It'll never be in vain. Now that's on the individual level. What about the collective level? Well, collectively as a whole ministry, here's how we want to make him known resourcefully. It's by utilizing our church-wide resources, our three F's with the return and the reward of Christ in mind. The three F's of our collective resources are uh, our funds, our facilities, and our folks, right? Our folks. I just totally made up the three F's last night. Uh, But... You guys get the point, right? Like, as a church, like, what are, what's ministry in the church about, guys? Re- ministry in the church is about reaching people with the gospel and helping people live for Jesus, right? And so as we think about the ministry of the church, like, we want to be a church that sees people come to faith in Jesus Christ, and then we make disciples of Jesus Christ, and part of that is we want to help people, every one of us in this room, use the gifts that we've been given for the glory of Christ, Right? And so we want, this is why we have ministry teams, right? This is why we have growth groups. This is why we're doing everything that we're doing, is because we want to help you as believers use the gifts that you've been given for the glory of Christ. So it's about the folks. We want to use the facilities that we've been given. Guys, this is a shared resource that we have. We have this property and these buildings, guys. Uh, 
And we want to use them in a way that touches the lives of real people. I, uh, I heard somebody say this at one of our recent meetings. Uh, a woman in our church said this, God didn't give us all this land just to mow the grass. Right? Like, let's do something with the land that actually impacts the lives of real people, and that's part of the Make Him Known initiative, right? Um, this, it bothers me when I hear this, but even just like three days ago, four days ago, I heard from another family in our church uh, who said, you know what, we love the ministry of UBC. We would love to be a part of the church, but Awana is very important to us. And the fact that you just don't have room in Awana, you know, it means we're gonna have to find a church that has openness in Awana for our kids. We're out of space. We can't, we don't have any more rooms for Awana in our church, right? This is part of why we need to expand our facilities. We wanna use the finances of UBC for eternal purposes. Guys, this is, being faithful stewards is so important. It's why I'm so grateful for our finance committee, our, account, our accounting teams, the trustees of our church, people who really want to take care of the, the finances that come in. We don't want to bury our treasure in the sand, right? We don't want to just waste it, right? We want to use the resources that God has given us for the glory of our King. So as I wrap up today, let me just bring this home and apply it directly to the finances of the Make Him Known initiative. Guys, I want to reiterate, we're asking the Lord to raise up $4.5 million in our church over the next two years. $2.3 million will be used for the ministries for people that are already here. $1.7 million will be to expand our facilities so that we can reach people who are near but not yet connected to our church. And then half a million dollars will be given to reach people everywhere who don't yet know Christ. That is part of us wanting to faithfully steward the financial resources of the church. I, I don't know if everybody knows this, but last Sunday night, we actually gathered together our ministry leaders and volunteers in our church for what we called our advanced commitment night. And we used the model of First Chronicles chapter 29 um, where David and the other leaders of Israel went first in making their commitments to build the temple and then the rest of the assembly rejoiced as they saw their leaders commit. And uh, we're hoping that as we've called the leaders and servants of our church together, we're hoping that the rest of the church can rejoice and celebrate as they see uh, what the Lord is stirring in the hearts of, of the people. And so last Sunday night was a special night for our church. I want to share with you just a few things to celebrate. And uh, really, uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled with what the Lord is doing here. So um, let me just mention these to you. Guys, last Sunday night, we had 81 households that already made a commitment to make him known. That's worth celebrating to me, right? 81 that came together last Sunday night. Praise God for that. Here's what really blesses me in the middle. Okay, 81 households, first of all, that's about, 20 to 25% of the households in our whole church, right? So that's, that's a good amount of people who already feel the Lord stirring in their hearts to be part of it. Nine of those 81 people who committed, you guys, nine are brand new givers. They have never given to the Lord. We can celebrate that too, right? Let's do that together. This is, um, to me, this is, this is part of what we're hoping for with the Make Him Known initiative. It's, it's not so much about the total dollar raised as it is seeing people step into God's mission and to join in that way. So I'm so excited about that. And then last, we had, I want, well, before I share this last one, I want to reiterate to you. I, uh, there are two people in our church who know how much commitment people made on these commitment cards. Two people. I am not one of them, okay? So uh, 
So as those folks have tallied up the commitments that were made, let me just share with you that many, many of the families are increasing their overall generosity. Here are just some statistics for you to consider. One family multiplied their giving by four times. They went from $1,800 over the past two years. They're committing to $8,600 in the next two years. One family is committed to doubling their giving. They went from $2,400 over the past two years now to $4,800 over the next two years. One family is multiplying their giving 76 times. They went from giving $200 over the past two years to giving $15,000 over the next two. One family is multiplying their giving two and a half times. They're $20,000 given over the past two years. They're committing to $50,000 over the next two years. Guys, to me, as I see God stirring in people's hearts that way, that, the credit can only go to the Lord for that, right? That puts joy in my heart to see that God is, at, is on the move. So when we come together next Sunday, and all of you are gonna have your commitment card to turn in. The Lord's gonna put something on your heart to give. Will you keep your heart open to him? Will you keep your heart open to him? You've had conversations with your spouse. You've probably prayed about this a little bit. Some of you have actually listened to my sermons. Thank you for doing that. Um, But really, are we listening to God's word? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? And if the Lord is moving in your heart to make a commitment to make him known, then do it. Do whatever God's calling you to do. And I want to be clear, like, if God's not calling you to give to that, then don't do it, right? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. But if the Lord is calling you, take a step of faith and do what he's calling you to do. We captured some thoughts on video from our advanced commitment event last Sunday night, and we want to share uh, some of those testimonies and some of those thoughts with you today on this video, so check it out.